You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do. That's make more sales. Make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Visit LockedOnSports.com to check out all of our podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, and fantasy sports. So right before we dive into anything, I want to get to the bottom of this mispronunciation problem that apparently that we both have <laughs> because I was pronouncing Hito Turkaloo with a hard G and I was getting clowned by it and it legitimately hurts because that is one thing that I don't love is mispronouncing names because mispron- I said mispronouncing, mispronouncing names because it's somebody's name, right? I feel like you should get that right and a problem with it is putting the hard G there, and I get clowned on it. And, Doug, you were saying it too. I didn't even, it didn't even register with me Well, yesterday. so I think what happened is I assumed you're, you're, the, you're, the, uh, you're the radio authority. You're the, you're the guy. So I think I just went along with so your— So you knew it was Turkaloo. I didn't you, know. I don't know. Wait, any, are you blaming this all on me? Well, Are you saying bit. you just followed me and you didn't want to embarrass I know, me? See, that's, I'm blaming that on myself that I, that I followed you into, into the Turkaloo hole— and yeah, a couple of people noticed it. Danny on the chat and uh, Hornets Gifts, our, our former uh, producer of the show, uh, producer Kurt. Love it. Love it. Listen, you got to call us out on these things and, and punish us when we when we uh, don't don't make the cut. There. So wait a minute. Hold on. So so you're you're basically what you're telling me is that you let me walk off the cliff and you did nothing to save me. In fact, you walked off the cliff with me. It's true, just like a good producer. I'm, I'm going hand-in-hand hand with you into the darkness. Well, wait, doesn't a good producer let me know I messed up? <laughs> Isn't that what a good producer does? Yeah, let's let, let's let it all die. Let's, know, let's not save anything here. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Well, I'm giving you oh, a, we had a partnership well, Okay, here. well, I'm giving you a little... Here's the thing. I want to give you a little grace period as you, as you uh, uh, get, get into this podcasting. Well, game. I died, Doug. Right, well, I fell off the cliff because you wanted to give me grace. Well, let's, let's, you need to rise like Lazarus in this one. <laughs> Hito Turkaloo, man. I'll never forget it. Hito Turkaloo. Hideyat? Is that how you say his first name? I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Hito Turkaloo. Well, thanks for clowning us. Absolutely. Let's make sure you let us know that we did something wrong, and then Doug will just let me die with no saving at all. Yesterday, we did take a break from <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday we took a break from the players and discussed Steve Clifford's tenure in Charlotte. And today's episode, we'll hop back on the roster with Frank the Tank Kaminsky, is that everyone's favorite player in Charlotte, Doug? Or is it just like second favorite behind Kim Walker? I hope you're being incredibly sarcastic <laughs> right now. Is um, it not everybody's favorite? I don't think so. Is it the second no, I think, favorite? I think, you're saying second favorite it is. I think Frank is an extremely polarizing player. I think that there are people in I, Charlotte I that absolutely love him, and I think there are people that absolutely uh, hate him. If you found the people that absolutely love Frank Kaminsky, I'd like to meet him. I'd like to meet all, meet all five of them. They believe in him. They hope 
Well, and, and, I, and I held on to hope for a while, too. And it's not that I'm completely off the edge there, but it seems like pretty much everyone else is. So we'll talk about your favorite player in Frank Kaminsky with this episode of uh, the Locked On Hornets podcast. Uh, is he is the jury out on him? We'll discuss a couple of the problems that he has. We'll discuss all that today. We'll get to our daily segment on the odds of Charlotte attaining the number one overall pick, where Doug will ask what has the better chance of happening between some outlandish scenario and the Hornets getting their stud at number one. Which one has the better odds? We'll play that game a little bit later on. And we didn't get to it yesterday, so we'll discuss Miles Bridges, a guy who might be there when the Hornets are picking, most likely at number 11. That's where the best odds they have at that slot of picking in this year's draft. And they were also, Miles Bridges was also linked to them just a year ago before he surprised everyone by going back to Michigan, by going back to Michigan State and playing one more year under Tom Izzo. So a lot of stuff to get to today with Frank being the main focal point. But one thing to start off here real quick is Rick Bennell. Um, he releases an interview with Curtis Polk. First and, of all, who is yeah. Curtis Polk? Uh, so Curtis Polk, if you don't know who he is, he is the Hornets managing partner and minority or- owner with the organization. So basically what that means is it, with Michael Jordan being the majority owner, Polk has to serve as the guy to kind of handle all of the responsibilities that involve speaking. He's the mouthpiece, essentially. Essentially. Very rarely do you hear Jordan speak, and most likely the guy filling in for him in a speaking role is Curtis Paul. So, Curtis, again, the last time you probably saw him was when you watched Mitch Kupchak's introductory press conference. He was right there alongside him. It wasn't Michael Jordan, which I'm sure you all noticed. It was Curtis Polk, indeed. So, Rick Bennell sat down, had an interview, interviewed Curtis Polk, and a couple of things of emphasis there. I, I don't want to get too deep into it because we actually did sit down with Rick Bennell. I did interview Rick Bennell on his interview with Curtis Polk. Also ask him a couple of other questions like his interview with Steve Clifford, uh, the Frank Kaminsky situation, since it's relevant as we're talking about him today. Also ask him a little bit about Dwight. So we'll play that tomorrow. It's a it's a great episode. It's, it's a great interview with Rick. You get to dive into what he was getting the sense of what Polk was saying. But a couple of points of emphasis in this interview with Curtis. And Doug, it jumps all it just jumps out all over the screen when you have it on your computer screen and the fact that they want player development to be the main focal point of what this next head coach comes in and takes care of first and foremost yeah here's the quote from Polk in today's NBA one of the important things particularly in a market like Charlotte is player development getting those draft picks and developing them we have the G League team in Greensboro We have to use all of those resources. Very interesting because yesterday on the show, Walker, we were speculating when we talked about uh, David Vanterpool. Well, you reported it. You had sources that directly reported it. That's right. Well, it was future sources. I was was anticipating Curtis Polk making this comment. Uh, But yes, uh, they, they are essentially looking for a coach that can develop Malik Monk, that can develop whatever draft pick selection that they make in June that can do what Miami has so successfully done over the past couple of years and find these G League gems, bring them up, and make them contributing parts of playoff teams. And well, not even the G League gems, too, because, all right, I mean, it's 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 the head honchos that you draft within the first-round picks and trying to get those guys developed. And I think that's the number one thing before you even read anything else. It's, of course, your mind immediately wanders to Malik Monk. 
because of the way Dwayne Bacon showed you a little promise as a second round player, it goes to those younger guys. And and I don't know if you're forgetting anybody as far as right now goes, but you can go to the past and say maybe there was a problem with not developing your second overall pick in MKG, maybe not developing a Frank Kaminsky by the time you would like him to be right now. So player development, a huge focal point on what Curtis Polk and the Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan, all of them want to see in their next head coach. And whenever you fire a coach, whenever you fire a general manager, whenever you fire anyone, really, it's very um, common to see a counter reaction to whatever that former coach or general manager, what their philosophy was. So if they do find someone that is focused on player development, I do think that it would be somewhat of a reaction to Steve Clifford, who was trying to win uh, regular season games and trying very hard to get into the first round and prepare his team to win a first round series. And so there was less focus on some of the younger players that that couldn't play on one particular end of the floor because they were doing everything they could to win each individual game and not really worrying about two years down the line. Well, you see it all the time. Again, you you make a great point. And again, we'll discuss this with Rick Bennell tomorrow. But you make a great point in that when you lose a coach, when you fire a coach, you are looking for the polar opposite and something that you felt that he was not um, particularly strong in. Was that is that fair, though? Is that fair? No. Because, listen, you're, Curtis Polk saying that, I think, will make a lot of fans that were anti-Steve Clifford very happy because they're like, yes player development play the rookies well and, and I get that I don't think it's 100% fair by any means because then again you're just kind of forgetting all the things that he did pretty well in this franchise and then again it goes in cycles then this is why I mean this is why you get into head coaching to get fired that's the axiom right unless you're Greg Popovich if you're going to be a head coach you're going to get fired unless you quit to take a better job which doesn't really happen in the NBA Maybe if you're a buttonholzer who kind of forces his way out, but Atlanta's looking for a new direction anyway, so then they kind of agree to... It's actually Budenholzer. It, see? There, see, I'm helping. So, I'm trying to help so you So here's now. the thing. Here's the thing with that real quick. <laughs> I have said Budenholzer my entire life, and I need to just stay inside my head now because now I'm a little shook, to be honest with you. I've said Budenholzer my entire life. Who corrected you? I've heard Budenholzer... Rick Bunnell. Rick Bunnell. What do I do with that, Rick, Doug? Rick Bonnell. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> what do I do with that? Well, because he's Coach Bud, but I've heard... No, I've heard... I've said Budenholzer, I swear. You're just going to have to believe me on this. I've said Budenholzer my entire life. But then Rick's got me shook, Doug. What? I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pronounce names anymore. All right, keep going. I'm going to research this. We're going to get this right. I don't even know how to pronounce your name, and you have a <laughs> one-syllable first name. I don't even know what to do anymore. Dig Bronson. <laughs> it's, it's silent. You don't really pronounce the O and U in your name. I don't know what to do. We'll go with Mike Budenholzer until we're proven wrong, until we're proven otherwise. Sorry, Rick. But Budenholzer is a guy, again, that it, making my point, you don't see guys leave, leave NBA teams unless they're really fired. You don't see a lot of these head coaches leave until they're fired, for, for the most part, right? Is it Budenholzer? Right now, from Sportondo, not the greatest source in the world. <laughs> Considering I'm, I'm not this too familiar This is from the 2013-14 NBA Players Pronunciation Guide from Sportondo. This says B-O-O, Boo-Den, Holzer. Right, okay, well then, yes. So, it, it seemed, you had a facial so reaction that made you, me question well, On the one hand, you have Rick Bennell. On the other hand, you have Sportondo. I think this investigation must continue. All right, we'll look for, we'll look further into it. We'll have our we'll have a ton of pronunciations by the end of all of this. Anyway, I, God, we are so off topic. Here. <laughs> we have we have gone on a road where I am complete. I am unable to do my job because I just can't say names anymore. 
Guys are fired all the time, man. Don't think it was fair. I mean, I, I think it's fine to move on from Steve Clifford, but to go polar opposite all the time and just completely forget about what guys do well, then you kind of eradicate that from the franchise, and then that guy gets fired, and then you go back to kind of what you want to be, the happy medium, but then you forget about the real strengths from the other head coach. And th- This is the NBA. This is life in the NBA looking for another head coach. There are some coaches that are built to win basketball games and built to uh, prepare teams for the playoffs and to win playoff series, and then there are coaches – that are prepared to develop players and look towards the future. And, you know, I think that's what the Atlanta Hawks, you, I think Budenholzer is a great example because uh, uh, Coach Bud wanted to win ball games, and that's why he's not coaching in Atlanta anymore. And I think it's it's I think it's fair to say that it's part of the reason why Steve Clifford is not coaching in Charlotte anymore. Right, and, and a little different, but right. And, and, a little and different. Well, no, essentially, no, essentially you're right, though, and that Steve Clifford was – coaching for his job and when you have this emphasis on player development Steve Clifford isn't necessarily wanting to play Malik Monk out there on the court because it's going to help him win games right now but it's one of those things where you want to put Malik Monk out there on the court to see well at least you get him some time to develop where he'll be really good next season or he's going to really significantly improve because of the time he's getting here as a rookie which I see that I see that point but Steve Clifford trying to win games because he doesn't want to be out of a job with Charlotte. If Charlotte makes the playoffs, is Steve Clifford still here as the head coach? I would imagine if they get in as an eight seed, he's probably a head coach here still, at least close to it. It's not as surefire that he's going to be gone. So interesting in that regard. And real quick, one other thing to mention with Curtis Polk interview, because we don't talk about it with Rick Bonnell. We're talking about <laughs> entertainment value with the Charlotte Hornets. And, Curtis Polk makes sure that he kind of mentions that about how important the entertainment value is, not only on player development, not only on being a balanced team, which he also mentioned, but he also tells you about the entertainment value. How do you feel about that as a fan? Do you want to be entertained watching it or you kind of just want a good basketball team? You don't care how you get there. Yeah, You know, what's entertaining winning basketball games. Ultimately that's entertaining. I'm with you on that. If I see exciting players losing basketball games, ultimately final score if it doesn't go in the Hornets' direction, that's not entertaining. Right. I'm with you on that. And I wonder how many other people are with us wholeheartedly on that. Because I would rather, I don't care how you get there, I would rather you just win. If you're exciting, then sure, that's a cherry on top. But I can do without that cherry. I don't love cherries anyway. I have a definitive answer on the question of how to pronounce the coach, the former coach of the Atlanta Hawks. Should we should we reveal this after the break? Uh, yes, that's a great tease because I'm sure everybody came into this podcast wanting to know the pronunciation, the correct pronunciation of how to pronounce coach whatever the hell from at, used to be Atlanta. All right, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you are checking out what else the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including Locked On Panthers. Host Bill Rossetti is bringing you his brand of NFL draft and offseason analysis. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, just search Locked On Panthers. We're proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering the biggest local stories in every market. We'll take a quick timeout and come back with more on Frank Kaminsky. Is the jury out on Frank? Find out after the break alongside how to truly pronounce Mike Budenholzer, Mike Budenholzer's name, former coach of the Atlanta Hawks. You're listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast with Walker Mail and Doug Brands. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. The one draft pick you hit on was Kimba Walker, and you, you drafted Bismack Biamba before him. Oh! You got it right the second time, which is great. I am too smart. It's the But you drafted Biombo 
before Kimba Walker. So <laughs> again, you almost messed that one up as well. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail, alongside Doug Branson. Supposed to be making sure things run smoothly. We took a break from that yesterday during a mispronunciation error. Or pronunciation error. But we will go to Doug now with the definitive answer on how to pronounce the former Atlanta Hawks coach's full name. Doug, take it away. What everyone has been waiting for from their local Locked On Hornets podcast. I have the information. It is officially Mike... No. Oh, we were about to find out. (laughs) No. Loud noises. We have to respect the satchel. When the satchel speaks, you respect the satchel. The satchel is spoken. Here we go. The satchel of NBA LOLs. And this is a this has got a local angle. Cody Zeller clapping back on Twitter. Barstool Boilers, a.k.a. the Barstool affiliate for Purdue Tweets, a rundown of the last dozen or so number four overall picks in the NBA draft with the text, I didn't know at Cody Zeller went fourth overall. Someone probably lost their job over that pick. <laughs> they did. So then, well, <laughs> technically. They're right. Probably, probably more so for the contract that, that he gave Cody Zeller. But Cody Zeller then responded with this quote tweet, is that like you guys chanting boiler up when you were down by 30? Oh, burn. That is a sick burn. <laughs> this is amazing solely because it's Cody who so rarely goes after anybody on Twitter, Walker, or otherwise. He is a man of faith, a man of restraint. But this, this is a Christian clapback. There you go. This is a born again burn. Preach. This is a baptism by iron. <laughs> Cody Zeller killing him. Just killing him. Can we go with Presbyterian put down? Oh, I think that's all I'm good for. That's the only that's one that can't burn. Burn. <laughs> That's the only one that comes straight to the top of the dome. Cody Zeller, is that the first time we have seen him come back at anybody? I think it's the only one I've ever seen. It's more of a Frank thing. Did Frank Kaminsky Frank, take over yes. Cody Zeller's Twitter account for a day and go after Barstool? Who Frank Kaminsky? Oh, wait a minute. Frank Kaminsky and Barstool. Are, are like this. They're close. So maybe there's now there's going to be a, a Cody Zeller, Frank Kaminsky. But also you have the Big Ten connection where he's not particularly a fan of Purdue because he went to Wisconsin. So there is not a rivalry there, but not exactly love between the two schools. I don't know. We have to dig more into that. But Doug, you were digging into more of a different Okay, we've been, we've we been trying to figure out how to pronounce Mike Budenholzer's name. It is official. It's Budenholzer. This, this is from the Hawks Game notes, B-O-O, Boudin Holzer. And you know, we probably have people just rolling their eyes at this right now because this was not much of a problem with anybody else. Everybody else knew how to do it. And I come in one day and I'm shook, man. I have problems. But we got it. See, here's the thing, though. We have to get these. The the people, the Walkerholics out there, expect us now. (laughs) The wait. To get this right, the Walker Holics. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> think those guys are out there. It was the Dougaholics out there. That's right. And now they've become the Walker Holics. I don't think I've seen that. I don't think anybody's hooked on me. Yet. Oh yes. I don't think so. I don't think anybody's hooked on me yet. I, I think people can put me down and walk away from the bar. I think still people are chugging on their duck. 
I like you. That's what I think. All right, let's move on. Frank Kaminsky. I know how to pronounce that name. Frank Kaminsky, the guy we're going to be looking at today. We've looked at a couple of the other players and a couple of intriguing ones, right? Kimbo, just because he's the best player on this team. Dwight Howard, because he's going to be a Hall of Famer. You look at Nick Batum, because it's a guy making over $20 million and not playing up to that contract. Jeremy Lamb, a guy we've already been through who had a lot of development, a lot of production this season, was a pleasant surprise on what was a team that lacked all of the productivity that you expected from them this season. Frank Kaminsky, look, I joked around about him being everybody's favorite player that watches the Charlotte Hornets. The guy took a beating from a lot of fans this season, and I don't know how much that you can really hate on those guys for doing so. It was a rough season for a long, a lot of this part of Frank Kaminsky's season. At the end, he started to catch fire a little bit. But, Doug, you introduced me to this website on basketball stats called Cleaning the Glass. And what Cleaning the Glass does, and help me if I'm wrong for once, if Cleaning the Glass, (laughs) what it does is it gets rid of all of the garbage time stats that you have. So not to get too far into the stipulations of it, but what it looks like is if you're up by 20 points or you're down by 20 points, takes those away. Then it eradicates all those stats from what your final stats are as far as this particular website goes. And it's really helpful. I really like it. I've started to look at it a little bit more, thanks to Doug. And what it shows you about Frank Kaminsky is what you've been probably feeling in your heart, yet the shooting percentage doesn't directly reflect it in traditional stats. But cleaning the glass does reflect what your heart probably feels about it. What you're seeing from Frank Kaminsky is that when you look at points per shot attempt, again, eradicating all of what you have in garbage time, when you look at the category of big guys in the league, and you look at where he ranks among bigs in points per shot attempt, the last three years, Frank has ranked 28th in his rookie season. Yeah, these are percentile. 28th percentile. percentile, He's in the 28th percentile in his rookie season. He's in the 15th percentile in his sophomore season. And in his third year, just this past season, he ranked in the 22nd percentile. Not exactly good. And, Doug, as we were discussing, when you look at him being a guy who takes quite a few three-pointers, when you look at how that kind of compares or how that kind of reflects what points per shot attempt really displays, it should help him. It should help him by taking the three-point shot, and it just simply doesn't. And then you look at some of what he does around the rim. I'll go back to his rookie season. When it comes to his shots at the rim, he's in the 12th percentile. Improved, but not a whole lot. His sophomore season, he's in the 25th percentile. And then his third year, again, this past season, he's in the 22nd, 22nd percentile. Effective field goal percentage that cleaning the glass also has, 25th percentile. 14th percentile, 17th percentile. Mid-range game, 56 his first year, 23rd, 22nd. And we should mention, too, that his three-point attempts have gone down uh, significantly this season. Or, excuse me, they they went they went down a little bit. 4.7 last season, 3.5 shot, uh, shot attempts from beyond the arc this season. His percentage from beyond the arc went way up, so he was more efficient, but taking less threes. And that makes sense, right? Because we saw him this year try to do a lot inside. He had some sort of Dirk Nowitzki-esque moves to get open shots. And his mid-range game was somewhat average, but yeah, he could not finish around the rim. And that brings all of his 
offensive efficiency down. And when you're talking about a player who struggles the way he does on the defensive end of the floor, it's not good enough to be even above average on offense. You've got to be excellent. I've held out a lot of hope for Frank Kaminsky over the past couple of seasons while everyone was really quick to give up on him. And perhaps majority of the people weren't ready to give up on Kimba Walker in the first couple of seasons. I think people liked Kimba Walker, but you did have the naysayers about Kimba getting $12.5 million with that first contract. You did have a lot of people discussing his field goal percentage and how he was just simply not an efficient player. But if you held out hope for him to develop with what Curtis Polk and the Hornets are really wanting from their next head coach, you did get that from Kimba Walker and Kimba and Frank certainly not even close to the same type of player not even close they're on polar opposite ends of the spectrum but I at least I thought that there could be a development there with Frank because I think I held a lot onto what you saw from him in the second half of last season before he went with that injury against the Phoenix Suns in the shoulder injury last season and I know talking with Rick Vanell he said that he thinks that shoulder injury actually had a bigger impact even when he came back, more so than people thought. I bought into that because I thought you did have some improvement from Frank Kaminsky. At the beginning of the season, Frank is lighting it up. You think Frank has turned a new leaf. You think Frank is going to come in and contribute like the player that we thought possibly he could, certainly as a top 10 pick. But then again, with the Frank, with the Frank coaster that we've all come to at least understand you saw him dip. You saw him go up at times. You saw him dip. And for the most part, it's just a relatively low riding roller coaster. Yeah. And you saw it this season as well. He got off to a hot start and then his offense just hit the floor towards the middle of the season and then started to pick up again at the end of the season when the Hornets started to slip away from playoff contention. And there was a little bit of a change on the bench this season with Jeremy Lamb taking a bigger role. We uh, talked about Lamb and Kaminsky as sort of a, a dual six-man for the Charlotte Hornets because so much of the offense on the bench ran through those two individuals. So that could you know, account for some of the, the three-point attempts going away for Kaminsky. But all of this, Walker, boils down to his confidence. I mean, that's been the biggest story around Frank Kaminsky. You know, can his confidence can get shaken. This is this is what we've heard not only from coaches but from him. He he admits yeah. that his confidence is He's very is an open issue. about it. He is very open about it. It is something that you pay attention to after comments from him and it's visible out there on the court. You can see it. You can see him shake his head. You can see him kind of be down. You can see it affect his shot and then of course he'll throw up an air ball every now and then. And probably not even every now and then. I mean, he's good for an air ball every other game, it seems like. And you can see the confidence be shaken, but still he ends up with a 38% at least traditional shooting percentage from beyond the arc. I mean, that's that shows that you can shoot. That shows that you have the ability to shoot. Problem is with Frank, that's probably about it from this point. I mean, what's your, what's your hope, Doug? What, what kind of... I guess, expectations do you have from Frank after his third season heading into his fourth? Well, Walker, you bring up a good point with Kimba Walker. He did not make his leap uh, until his fourth and fifth Jeremy season. Jeremy Lamb as well. And Jeremy Lamb as well. So it's not out of the question, but it does boil down to his head rather than, I think, his his you know anything physical going on with, with Frank because he was, for the most part, able to stay healthy in the offseason and all throughout this season – and so this this really is about can he uh, buckle down, and especially on the defensive end, can he contribute anything defensively for you, get better somewhat in that area to to lessen the need for him to score so much 
and be so efficient on offense? I think those are all questions that that will determine the future of Frank's career, uh, not only with the Hornets, but with the NBA. I'm not ready to give up 100% on him, but here's where I am with Frank Kaminsky. One, I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure closer than where I was, of course, after just one more year under his belt. And I'm also very aware that Frank Kaminsky, being a younger player, being a big guy who can shoot the three, and having a contract that is very friendly just because it's not a whole lot of money, I'm also very aware that possibly other GMs, other teams might see him as an asset, therefore maybe throwing him into a guy where you can, maybe throwing him into a deal along with a guy where you can dump his salary, which I'm sure Hornets fans would be all too enthused about having Frank Kaminsky be one of those guys that another team tries to take a chance on. Very aware of that. Again, not 100% ready to give up on him, but I'm close. I'm close with it. How does Miles Bridges fit with the Hornets? Are there any glaring flaws in his game? A guy that has been linked to the Hornets in this draft and last year as well before he returned to Michigan State. We'll discuss that next on the pod. Are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Did he go with Myers Leonard as his first comparison as a big man hitting from the three point line? Oh, Funny. did I say Leonard? I meant uh, Miles Turner. Okay, <laughs> you did. I think okay. you said Miles. That was Leonard. on me. Good sorry about that. That's a bad mistake. I know when I think shooting big men, Myers Leonard is the first guy that comes to mind. Absolutely. I was thinking Steve Clifford and I might be Hot the shot. same wavelength. Hot shot, there. Myers Leonard. <laughs> that's that's his nickname. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. You see, Doug, I correct you when you're wrong, man. I did it for you. I let you know about Myers Leonard before everybody thinks, does this guy really think Myers Leonard is the cream of the crop in young shooting big men? You're welcome Saboteur! for that. Saboteur! You're welcome for that, Doug. Welcome back to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mel, alongside Doug Branson. We've got Rick Bennell coming up tomorrow. Uh, a lot of great stuff from him, again, with his interview with Curtis Polk, and of course he does mention Frank as well. I do dive in with Frank's game with Rick Bennell, and he gives a, a pretty good comment on what he expects from Frank and also just what he thinks about Frank and how he's been able to adapt to the NBA life so far. So interesting comment from him, some fun stuff with uh, Rick Bennell tomorrow, some really good stuff about the coaching search as well. Really good interview. Make sure you check it out on the Locked On Hornets podcast tomorrow when we release that. Um, all right, so now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Again, a kind of a down-in-the-dump segment, but whatever, we've gone with it. We've had some dark things. We've had a little bit lighter things go on within the first two days we've done it. We'll kick it to Doug again. It's now time for the Hornets' odds at a number one overall pick. Should lead off with this. Uh, yesterday we did catching a baseball, the odds of catching a baseball at a major league ball game, uh, 1 in 563. I actually caught a baseball last night at the are Charlotte Knights game. You're you're kidding me. Now, so the Charlotte Knights are a minor league game, and and also the first baseman flipped it to me. So okay. maybe that doesn't. It's different. Maybe that doesn't count. It, it's it's not as goosebump as it's not as goosebumpy as I thought it was. Listen, my wife was impressed that I caught it, so that's really all well, that wait, matters. If, you, <laughs> if people ever ask me, tossed for, it to you, right? But I caught it. No, I mean, it's a good catch, right? I mean, I mean, he flipped it to me. I caught it. If people ever ask me for marriage advice, I always say the same thing. Like, marry an easy audience. Make sure. That's where I was going with that. Yeah. Make sure that you uh, can easily impress the one that you love and uh, and be easily impressed. Well, hey, I, I don't want to be the one to clown you. I'll talk you up. That was an amazing catch, Doug. Thanks, man. I appreciate <laughs> that's, that's, it. That's just fantastic. All right, so the Hornets have a 0.8% chance of winning the number one overall pick or 1 in 125 odds 
Do the Hornets have a better chance of getting the number one overall pick or get your calculators out being audited by the IRS? Oh, this is a tough one. How many people are dirty little liars when filling out their tax forms? <laughs> I'm going to say... I'll, I'll say the IRS is, has a better chance of auditing you. This Ooh, is my first miss. This is your first miss. The Hornets actually have a better chance of getting the number one pick than being audited by the IRS. Those are How close is it? 175 to 1. Decently close. So it's close. That was the toughest one yet. I don't have any faith in the people. Yeah, 1 in 175 chance of getting audited by the IRS. Never been audited. You have to actually, I feel like you actually have to make money, make a lot of money to be audited. Oh, by yeah, I have been. <laughs> yeah, we so don't think. We're in the clear. They got to leave the small In case, in case any of you guys think that this is a, a, a just a, a crazy, fantastic gig, it is, but not in monetary value. Do I have to claim the baseball that I got last night? Do I have to claim the value of that <laughs> yes. on my taxes? It's, it's as valuable as Barry Bonds' record breaking home run. Does it matter that I caught it? From the first baseman on a flip. It was funny too because I so we're we're like two rows up, but there are no kids around me. There are no because you know if he had flipped me the baseball and there was like a kid beside me, I would have given it to the kid, right? I mean that's just sort of oh, so my, you kept it. Well, of course, well, we just well we just talked about this yesterday. I, it's they, crazy. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Walker. There were no kids around, and I wasn't going to like go nine rows up to find the nearest kid. That would be creepy. So I kept the ball. I gave it to my wife, but I kept the ball and. Uh, but it was weird because he walks up to me and he kind of like makes eyes with me, the first baseman. And I don't really know That's what to creepy do as well. I don't, well, he's like, he's trying to ma- make sure he doesn't beat me in the face, but I'm like, I don't, okay. All right. And then he flips it. Like, <laughs> it's, this is a very I don't want awkward, your baseball. very awkward thing. No, that is awkward. No, that is awkward. And it would have been awkward had you gone and saw a kid. Hey buddy, you want a baseball? <laughs> no, I, I can only imagine how that conversation goes as well. Right. Anyway, it's so those, just weird. Those are your it, odds. Is, it is weird. Those are our odds, and I can't believe I missed my my first one. What is it? Four and five now. Four for five. That's right. Four for five. Eighty percent. I'll take eighty. Those are pretty good odds. Eighty. It's pretty good odds that you're going to get these correct. All right, that's fine. All right, we'll move on real quickly. Miles Bridges, a guy that returned to Michigan State last season after a pretty good freshman year, trying to come back and win a championship under Tom Izzo with the Spartans. And decided to come back and do that, and now is is leaving for sure. He's not going back for his junior year. Miles Bridge is a guy that kind of didn't really develop any more draft stock, didn't kind of move up a ton of draft boards. I feel like he's going about the same, about 11, 12, 13, maybe, maybe a little higher, maybe 10, but around the same area that he was last season. And Miles Bridge is a guy that, I don't know, a lot of people might view as a tweener, but some people like him and some people – maybe feel like he can make that jump to the NBA. But Miles Bridges, an interesting case, Doug, of a guy that possibly could be around when the Charlotte Hornets are picking. Tweeners are good now, by the way. Tweeners are in. Tweeners used to be Is that out. an insult? It now, used to, well, it used to be an insult, but I feel like now you now it's all about versatility. And versatility is just another word. I still feel like tweeners is a bad word. For tweener. Is it is it not a bad word anymore? But, but the NBA is going smaller now, Walker. But, and so but, like being a small being an undersized. I feel like girth four, is involved in tweener though. I don't think girth is involved with being ver- mm. with versatile. Is that right? Because because Miles That's Bridges nice has word. girth. He's girth. he's bigger. He is. He's thick. He's big. It, uh, he's getting comparisons to Derek Coleman. I don't know how much I love that. No, you don't. If you're love a, that. <laughs> not that kind of girth. Let's <laughs> no, keep we, that girth in check. I think so. The ringer has him at nine and says he's a thick framed forward. So thick framed, another word for girth, uh, who projects as a do it all role player, but can reach another level if he develops his ball handling and the stepian, 
says his best offensive attribute might be his two-foot explosion. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this right now. If if he goes off two feet and his body explodes, that's not good for any team. No, it's not it's good. not good for the Charlotte Hornets. I, I don't think I want him after that. It'd be tough. You'd have to put him back together. and that's, you, can't, you can't play basketball in some bomb protective shelter. Correct. You, you just can't do that. Let's Listen, I want to see the training staff that can deal with a player, not even the Spurs training staff, could deal with a player that exploded. <laughs> well, they did. The Hornets did clean house, so maybe they're getting a trainer that's a little bit more developed with those kind of situations. Possibly they're able to put back Miles Bridges together. But that is a, certainly a significant concern. You're a fan of Miles Bridges, right? I believe we talked about him last year. I think you were a fan of Miles. I like I mean I like his athleticism. Decent. I like his explosion. Uh, I think uh you know, I think there are some questions though about his aggressiveness. Is he is he an alpha dog player or is or is he destined to be a role player for the rest of his life. I actually got a chance to chat with the uh, beat writer from the Detroit Free Press, Chris Solari, who has been covering Miles Bridges for two seasons now. And I asked him about some comments that his coach, uh, Miles Bridges' coach, Tom Izzo, said uh, about Miles, which is essentially that he's, he's extremely frustrated with Miles' inability to be aggressive on the offensive end. I said, hey, what's up with that? Here's what he had to say. It, it's the, the sum of the parts. Um, I think... The overall parts of, of Miles Bridges' game lend itself to distributing the ball, sharing the ball, moving the ball. Um, but at the college level, especially uh, for that Michigan State team, they, Izzo wanted him to be more assertive, more of the alpha, more of the guy who was taking the scoring mantle and, and willing his team to win. And I think that part of that is age. I, I think that some of that, you know, you were talking about a kid who's a sophomore uh, being expected to do senior things. I, I think that at the same point, he's, he's kind of a humble kid. I mean, I think Izzo has talked about that. Uh, he called him his blue collar superstar. I mean, he's a guy that'll work on both ends of the court, but he, you know, he's one of those guys that I don't necessarily think is comfortable at times being the lead dog. I, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's just something that he's going to learn to grow into. If you want to hear more from Chris about Miles Bridges, uh, you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash L-O-H for the full interview. So here's what I like about Miles Bridges. The guy can shoot. He shot 39% his freshman year. He shot 36% roughly his sophomore season. He's got a good field goal percentage as well, simply not just looking at it from beyond the arc. So he's averaged 17 basically both times that he played at Michigan State, both years. Uh, the problem with this, Doug, is one, you, I, you sure have the alpha dog concerns with Miles Bridges. Also, can he defend? I, I, it just doesn't seem like it's the body that is able to defend a whole lot. I guess you do get that with Draymond Green, but Miles Bridges is not that kind of player that Draymond Green is. No, and yeah, Chris had some interesting thoughts on sort of the Draymond comparison and if that was fair or not, and I don't necessarily think it's fair either. Uh, but also the ball handling skills are the big differentiator between uh, Miles and Draymond Green, where Miles really struggles with ball handling. I think his first couple of seasons, Miles would be exclusively a, a catch and shoot threat. And so how good is that shooting good enough to just be a catch and shoot player that could make or break the difference between Miles Bridges you know, being able to contribute early in his career or being a, a project. But I, yeah, I have a draft crush on Miles Bridges. I don't know if he's necessarily going to get my draft rose. I always hand those out near the draft. I don't know if he's going to get my rose this year, 
You're just going to have to wait and find out. No, I'm excited about that. I, I don't think I don't think he gets mine. If I get some roses as well, I don't think he gets mine. Totally. And I just think I, I like Miles Bridges as a college player, but I'm kind of leaning on the other side of that. Um, just the defensive problems, and there are some issues there with Miles Bridges. So we'll we'll uh, we'll end it here. We've got Rick Bennell coming up tomorrow. A lot of great stuff from Rick on his interview with Curtis Polk, on his interview with Steve Clifford. We'll also get his thoughts on Frank as well. So check us out with Rick Bennell tomorrow. No show on Friday. We'll be back on Monday with more player recaps and more of our NBA playoff thoughts. Game one last night was a great one between LeBron James and company against the Toronto Raptors. So we'll talk a little bit more once those games start to go on. Thanks for listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.